you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. Week to week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure that is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. Hebrews, the 11th chapter. If you have your Bibles and would like to turn with me, Hebrews chapter 11 and Acts chapter 5. I'm going to read a couple of texts this morning. Hebrews 11 and Acts chapter 5. Hebrews 11 verse number 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe. Everybody say must believe. That he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Acts chapter 5, verse number 14. And believers, everybody say, and believers, were the more added to the Lord multitudes both of men and women. But the help of the Lord today, I, I just want to speak to you for a few moments. And I'm going to choose for a subject today, I am a believer. I am a believer. Any believers in the house this morning? The Bible continually tells us that we must believe. It's over and over again in the scripture, we must believe. It con continues with the fact that salvation begins with believing. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. We, we, have to have, we have to have belief. There must be faith and belief. You can't have one without the other. Faith and belief run hand in hand. Believing in faith, faith and believing. The Bible setting, the biblical setting here in the book of Acts, the fifth chapter, was in the beginning of the growth of the new church, the New Testament church. After Jesus had died, was buried, and resurrected, he ascends upon high, and of course, as he leaves, he tells them, go and tarry in the upper room in the city of Jerusalem, in Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2, kind of gives us insight into this. He says, go and tarry in the upper 
room in the city of Jerusalem until you be filled with power from on high. They go and have a prayer meeting in the upper room, uh, in an upper room in the city of Jerusalem, and the Holy Spirit falls upon them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And uh, so news of this, of course, began to travel all round about. Um, and prior to this, prior to this, this was truly the beginning of the season and times of of uh, the Lord doing many, many wonderful and wondrous works. Uh, prior to the prior to us moving into the New Testament, the last three years of Jesus' life was the three and the three and a half years of his ministry. Uh, miracles and signs and wonders and healings were were very very rare it was a very rare occasion for us to read of miracles that transpired yet there were a few I would say things such as Moses uh, encountering a bush that is burned uh, though th there are some 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 instances where that uh, the miracles were were like they were like a flood stage sizes, things like the story of Noah and how that he, he, he saved his house, uh, building an ark for 120 years, pretty large scale miracles that happened. But it was not a continual thing. It wasn't a daily thing. It wasn't something that happened on a regular basis. It more seemed that it was, they were of enormous scales, but, um, it, it didn't. It, it wasn't just over and over again. I know we see things like, um, like the, the prophet sending a man up a mountain, and he sees the cloud the size of a, of a man's hand, and uh, he comes back down, and and the prophet of the Lord says, "Get ready, because we're about to have a storm from a cloud the size of a man's hand." I mean, those some pretty amazing miracles that happened through the Old Testament. But now we get into the New Testament, and people aren't so accustomed with with miracles on a daily basis. Jesus had done a few miracles during his life. Uh, some of these miracles we read about, other miracles we don't. As a matter of fact, how I'm so certain that we don't is the Bible very clearly tells us that um, these are just the things that got written because if everything that he said and did were written, that all the books of the world could not contain all the things that Jesus did. And so I'm pretty certain that there were a lot of miracles maybe that Jesus did that didn't get pinned, that didn't get written about. So Jesus had done a few miracles, um, and, and these miracles that he performed, that he did, was very simple. If I understand the purpose of miracles, I see that miracles happen, uh, and it, they were done to cause people to believe on him, to cause people to believe in him. And then when they would gather because of the miracles, uh, then, then you could teach them. He could teach them. And so he would do a miracle, and it would gather crowds of people, and then he would teach them uh, about the meaning and the purpose of, of these miracles. So before Jesus ascended into heaven, he, he leaves them a little word. And it's a little word I want to slide into this, this message this morning because he tells them, Greater things than these shall you do. Now, it's very interesting that Jesus tells them 
greater things than here he is performing miracles. The deaf are healing, the lame are walking, the blind are seeing. And he says, but greater things than these shall you do in my name. And so it's pretty, it's pretty impactful to know that Jesus um, had such confidence in his church that he had laid out the groundwork and the foundation for that he tells them that they're going to do and see greater things than what he had ever done on the earth. It's pretty astounding. Now, our text takes us to the, to the point after Jesus had resurrected and ascended upon high. The day of Pentecost had already happened, and now it's a time for widespread revival to be spread all over the world. And, and the Bible begins to give insight into the miracles that were taking place at the hands of the apostles. These are the greater things that, that, than these that you should do now. He starts telling the apostles and in Acts chapter 5, he brought forth the sick. They brought forth the sick into the streets and laid them in beds and couches. And that, that at least the scripture said in Acts 5 and 15 that the passing by of Peter's shadow might heal them. That, that's incredible miracles. Jesus didn't have miracles that happened just by the passing by of his shadow. There was a woman that touched the hem of his garment. He usually spoke things to them at specific times. He touched them. But here now in the book of Acts, the fifth chapter, the scripture said that they brought the sick out and they laid them in their beds along the side of the road so that as Peter walked by, that even his shadow, the passing of Peter's shadow, that these people would be healed. There, there, there came also a multitude out of the cities round about unto Jerusalem. The 16th verse said, bringing sick folks and uh, them which were vexed with unclean spirits and they were healed every one of them so this is amazing but but there was a purpose for everything that was happening the healings and the miracles that that were done were to cause people to believe so at the core of it all there was a purpose of them of, of Jesus causing them to believe and then Acts 5 and 14 says and believers were the more added to the Lord multitudes both of men and women so the purpose were that there were believers that were added to the Lord I think sometimes we get this all wrong we completely misunderstand the purpose of miracles and healings when God sends healings and miracles and signs and wonders he does so for a purpose but it's not just for some sort of magic sideshow, but it's it's to cause people to believe. Now I don't want to get too far into this this morning, but uh, we're we're kind of moving into into fair season, and all the 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 county fairs and state fairs are all going to start happening. And it's not so today as much as it used to be today. It's more rides and activities. But in days gone by, I read about it. It was more in my parents. Day when uh, the 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 side the, the circus sideshows and the fair sideshows were uh, they were even 
uh, thought of in some ways of being, being even evil uh, because they, there was so much trickery that was involved. There was a lot of smoke and mirrors and a lot of weird people doing a lot of weird things. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Uh, a lot of strange things that happened, and, and they, they were doing it, and they, they kind of became known as circus sideshows. And so then those things began to be often compared to miracles that would happen in and around the church, and it was to the doom of the church. It was, it was, there was never anything positive that came out of that because God never intended His church to be some sort of circus sideshow. He never intended to perform a miracle so everybody would just go, wow, oh, that's amazing. I wonder how that happened. That was never the purpose of miracles, of signs, of wonders, of divine healing. As a matter of fact, if I may go a little further this morning and tell you that when God heals you, He, he does it because He has compassion. We find that in Scripture. He did things because He had compassion upon people, because the, the Lord cares about how you feel. He cares about your well-being. He cares about what, what, what uh, happens to you. The scripture said, for we have not a high priest. In, in the book of Hebrews, it said, for we have not a high priest that cannot be touched by the feelings of our infirmities. So if I can turn that around and make it in, in language that is easier to understand, it simply says, but we have a high priest that can be touched by the things that affect us, by the feelings of our infirmities. So by the sickness, by the pain, by the things that we deal with, we have a high priest. Jesus Christ was that high priest. And we have this high priest and he is touched by the feelings of our infirmities. In other words, he is affected by the things that affect you. The, the, the sickness, the pain, the, the sorrow, the grief, the everything that you deal with, he's touched with him, he's affected. So some miracles that he does, he does out of compassion just because he cares about you. Just, but it's never done just to, to be some sort of uh, money-making event for some televangelist that gets on and puts on a great show. Never, never, ever was there a point that that was the purpose of miracles. It was never to prosper man uh, financially or for a church to be able to become famous and known as, as, as some famous place where, where uh, unbelievable miracles are done. That was never. But the miracles were always done to cause people to believe. It was to bring people to the point of believing because the greatest miracle that you and I could ever have is the miracle of salvation. It's the miracle of us believing to the point of salvation. When we believe to the point that we're willing to respond to that belief and say, I'm going to do more than just declare that I believed on Him, but I'm going to repent of my sins and be baptized in the name of Jesus and be filled with the wonderful gift of the Holy Spirit. It is it is the plan of salvation that God has for us. He wants us to go beyond just saying, oh, if God would just do a miracle. But His miracles are for more than just to make us feel good. I come this morning with a great testimony. My brother was released from the hospital. He's been in the hospital since October the 18th. And this week on Monday, my brother was released from the hospital and able to come home. Many of you know his story. That's a long time. And to God be the glory for it. To God be the glory for it. 
but I'm reminded of him daily, and we, we worked hard trying to get him to come to church with us today. I've been in ministry for 32 years. 32 years I've been in ministry. My brother's never come to hear me preach, and it would mean a lot to me for him to come. And he, he told Dan that he was either going to come today or next week, and he didn't show up today, so uh, we still got tonight. That's still an option. Uh, but, but if not tonight, then next week, and we're going we're gonna to work on him, Dan, and, uh, and try to get him here. But uh, when he was at the point of death and the doctors were giving him no, no chance and no hope, and the doctors were saying, this is, this is severe and you're probably not going to make it. And they came in, I, I remember the day that they came in and I'm, I'm sitting in the hospital room with him and one of the doctors came in and I, I followed him out in the hall and he said, you need to call your family and you need to let them know uh, this, is, this is severe. He said um, about 8% of the people with... Um, with pancreatic cancer survives and he said uh, I would rather be dealing with pancreatic cancer than necrotizing pancreatitis and he said this is very severe I give him less than an eight percent chance of survival and um, and at that point uh, we were all pretty desperate and there was a lot of promises made in that hospital a lot of promises made to God a lot of promises made to family members and uh, through all of it, the Lord really dealt deeply with his spirit, a, a man that had become pretty hardened toward God and the church. There was a complete change, and uh, all of a sudden, he became uh, open to talk about God and, and talk about the things of God and saying, I'm going to make some changes in my life, and I'm going to begin to turn my life around. And through all of that, God saw his heart. God began to... to to, to deal with him and many, many times and moments of testimony. My wife has been probably the greatest preacher in his life. She's been able to talk to him maybe even more than I've been able to talk to him. And my boys have sat for hours, and uh, Gentry particularly has sat w with him for hours and, and talked to him and, and, uh, and trying to get through. And, and, and God touched him, and, uh, and, and what the doctors thought were, were uh, was just virtually impossible. I'll never forget uh, when his, his surgeon came in and he looked and he said, well, I have no other words to say. And he looked over at me and he said, Reverend, I know you're a man of great faith, but all I can tell you is this is a miracle. He said, I'm expecting a full recovery. Wow. Wow. But my point this morning is God didn't just heal him God didn't just do this just so everybody could go, wow, amazing, look what, he did this to cause people to believe. There's a purpose, it's about causing us to believe. He wants to increase faith today. I, I could come this morning and begin to tell you and share with you stories of miracles, of divine healing, of the things, but all of these miracles that God has done, he didn't just do for us to sit back and say, yeah, thumbs up, Jesus, good job, but he's doing it to cause us to believe. He wants to increase our faith because everything, the very foundation of salvation is based on believing. Without faith, it's impossible to please the Lord. He's wanting us to believe this morning and he's wanting us to understand that everything that he's doing is to bring us to a deeper point of belief, to the, to the place where we're not questioning, but we know that we know that God is in charge, that God is in control, that God can do anything. He wants us to know that today. 
Why does God use miracles, people ask. Why does God use miracles to cause people to believe? Uh, this I know, uh, if, if you were to ask people like uh, some of our missionaries that are in some of the, the, the Middle Eastern countries and some of the areas that are, uh, that are, are, are heavily uh, influenced by the Muslim faith, uh, the, the missionaries will tell you, you, can, you can't argue them into belief. You can't talk them into belief. There is nothing. He said, there is one thing. I talked to Sister Dace's uncle, and he was a missionary in the country of Jordan for many years and recently retired from there and moved back to the United States. And I was talking to him, and I asked him, what, what is it that, how, how do you convert how can you how can you re get a Muslim to, to reach the point of believing? He said, there's only one thing. You must have miracles. He said, when miracles happen, he said, they cannot argue with it. It causes them to believe. And I, I recognize that this morning. There's some things that we can argue with. We can argue even over some of the in-depth things of Scripture. And people say, well, this is my idea, or this is mine, this is my thought. But you cannot argue when some when the doctors say I give them no hope and then they walk out of a hospital on Monday I, I that causes people to believe <laughs> miracles are sent to establish or to increase faith because without faith it's impossible to, to, to please him without faith it is impossible. That's the point. Without faith, it is impossible. No matter what you deal with today, no matter what you face today, no matter what you may be, uh, what kind of issue may be in your life today, without faith, it's impossible. Without faith, you'll end up in depression. Without faith, you'll end up without hope. What is a man without hope? He's a man that has lost his way completely. But with faith, you have hope. With faith, you can believe. With faith, we can have a bad day, but no, tomorrow's going to be better. It, we, we can be going through it, but with faith, we say, it's, there's going to be a better day. We can, no matter what, we, with faith, it allows us to move forward. It seems like my family has been hit. My, my siblings have been hit so hard. I spoke with my sister last night, and many of you know her story. My sister um, is 63 years old. They found cancer, and uh, it, was, it was a pretty aggressive form of cancer. She went through uh, 24 weeks of treatment and uh, then a very major surgery that has completely changed her life. And the doctor said, everything's good. Three months later, they came back and said, well, we found another spot. She went through treatments. Um, they went in, and then the doctors came back and said, well, we found some more spots. And so now she's going back through treatment again. And I talked to her last night. And when she answered the phone, she was just chipper. And she's like, well, I'm tired. She said, but I'm 64 years old now. And she said, 64, I work a full-time job. And I'm going through chemo treatment. She said, I looked at the doctor and explained that to him. He said, you don't have to explain the tired. I understand why you're tired. I'm not too worried about it. And she was just positive. And, and I said, well, what, what, have you, what have you been up to? She said, well, we're in revival. She said, I haven't missed any of the revival services. She said, we were in church tonight. I cooked for the evangelist and all my family after service. And she's just positive, positive, positive. 
positive. I said, well, uh, tell me about the treatment. She said, well, I've got, she said, now I'm doing treatments every other week. And she said, it's three days of consecutive treatments. And, and so it's going to be spread over eight weeks. I've had one. And she said, I'm facing next week. I'm going to go in for treatment number two. I've got about six more weeks. And she said, then they're going to do uh, another scan. And she said, when they come back, she said, I'm just believing they're going to tell me that everything's taken care of. And I'm thinking, how can a person that's been through so much it's because she has a faith that is so grounded from her childhood to know that God's in charge, God's in control. She is a true believer that God can do anything. Faith, faith will take you through. It's that faith, it's that courage, that belief that will take you through. I'm a believer because I know what he's done for me. I'm a believer because when a doctor told us that our son that played the keyboard this morning and sits on the front row and entertains the whole crowd in whatever room that he's in, I'm a believer because the doctor said that he was going to be behind all the rest. I still worry about that sometimes. But he said he was going to be the smallest kid in the room, and I don't know, he's 6'2", I think. The doctor said he was perhaps was going to be blind and, and I could go on and on and on but look this morning <laughs> I, I'm a believer I'm a believer because when the doctor said this is what we think the Lord said I got another plan because I'm going to form some believers out of it see what God's done in your life he did it for you to testify of what he's done so that people will believe unto salvation. If you're wondering why that as a church over the last several years we have experienced and seen so many incredible miracles and I know people have come and I never, I, I, I kind of preached this message this morning because I sensed that God brings us through these seasons and no telling what God's got in store for us. I, I still believe that the greatest miracles are still ahead of us. I still believe the greatest things are ahead of us. And I've had many people come and say, Pastor, I, I, my wife and I walked in a restaurant just across the street. Uh, we walked in to, to a restaurant across the street and, and um, a gentleman was there and he said, I, I got to talk to you. I've got to know what it is that's going on. He said, y'all are, you, your church is building buildings and growing and other churches uh, in the area, he says, and some of them are, are closing and churches are on decline across America and you guys are building buildings and growing. What, what is it? There is a, and, and all I could tell him was you just got to come and experience it. Because there's a certain sense of faith. But I don't want people to come in here saying, when's the magic going to start? That's not the point. The point is, is that when God does a miracle, it causes people to believe and trust Him and lead them to the point of salvation. That He doesn't heal you so you can brag about yourself. He heals you so you can brag on God and say, let me tell you what he did in my life. Because faith is the beginning of salvation. Hebrews 11 and 6, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is. See, you can't come to him if you don't believe that he is. You've got to believe. It's 
starts with believing. There's some believers in the house today. In order to believe, there's a point that we must have our eyes open. Our eyes of faith, if I can say it that way today. Our eyes of faith must be open. I asked God, I asked God last night as I was praying over what I was going to say this morning, and I asked him, God, would you increase someone's faith today? God, maybe, would you increase someone's, would you open our spiritual eyes and cause someone to believe? I, I don't know, maybe before we even leave this morning, maybe somebody, somebody's going to receive a healing and a miracle in their life. And if so, thank God for that. But I don't believe that God wants to just heal you so that you can feel good. I've had so many people that's coming in and out of the doors of the church over my lifetime, and the church is all I've ever known. I was born with my father pastoring, so I've lived 51 years around the church, and, and uh, I've slept on church pews and slept through more sermons than m- many of you have even heard. I mean, more sermons than you slept through with me preaching. I, I've been raised around the church all my life. This is, and, and I could share stories of miracles and and, and all the things that God has done. But we're living in a day that it seems like that there is an increase. There's an increase in miracles and an increase in faith. It seems like there, God is doing more today than, than, than at any time in the history that I can ever remember. And when I was asking God last night, I said, God, don't, don't, just, don't, don't just move in the house tomorrow and and somebody leave and say wow man when that choir was singing when that praise team was singing pastor when you were preaching that closing song I'm telling you it touched my heart and man I just got cold chills all over me it just felt I I don't I'm not concerned about that today I want whatever it is that God does to push you to a point of faith where you walk out of here saying, I can face tomorrow. I can face the future. I know God is with me. I know God hasn't. That's what I want to hear. That's what I want to see. I want people moved to a point where faith arises in their life to where you don't have to say, let me call up the pastor to come to where you are. But I want there to be such faith in you that when you're in a restaurant and somebody says, oh, let me tell you, I'm really going through it. You can speak a word of faith over them. You can tell them God's going to be with you. God's going to walk with you. God's going to answer. Let faith arise in this room today. We rejoice over the miracles that God's done. I, a few moments ago as I was preaching, probably the second or third person to stand when I was talking about believing in faith and miracles, I saw Sister Robin Mulberg stand back in the back. Uh, and we rejoice in the miracle that God has, has done in her life. A few years ago, uh, over on the Delphi Avenue building, the Lord literally raised her up from the dead. We had, we had, uh, we had medical staff that, that completely confirmed there was no heartbeat, there was no breath in her. She was, she was, she was gone, but, but there's a God. And since 
Since then, the, the, the fame of that miracle has, has spread all over. And I, I've had pastors and ministers call me from all over the country and say, hey, tell me about that miracle that happened where the Lord raised a lady from the dead. And I've shared the details of the story with them and, and talked about it. And, and, I, and, and, and I've, heard, I've, I've heard them say over and over again, and those of you, how many of you were in that building on that Delphi, Delphi that morning? Uh, you, you, you remember that, that, that wasn't something I've heard, I've heard so many people say, oh man, I want to see a miracle like that. And I usually correct them very quickly and say, oh no, you do not. In order for God to raise the dead, somebody's got to die. And, and, and watching somebody that you love and have been around for many years of your life and watch parents and, and, and husband and, and daughters and grandkids and and to, to see the look on their face and the helpless, the helplessness, and in the middle of that, I literally feel like the, Satan probably attacked me more than 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 uh, my faith more than anyone in the room. I was attempting to pray and just feeling like my prayer wasn't being heard. I felt physical sickness come over me, and I literally had to sit down in weakness in my physical body and thank God for. For Dylan, and I handed Dylan the microphone and said, Dylan, here. And he said, what do you want me to do, Dad? I said, son, just pray the prayer of faith. I don't have the strength to right now. Just pray. And he started praying. The church began to pray. People were on their face praying. And that powerful grip of death had to release off of her as the Lord put breath back into her body, caused that heart began to beat again, caused her begin to function and live again. And she lives this morning standing with lifted hands because she's a believer because of the miracles that God has done. Oh, we ought to thank the Lord for that. I am a believer. I've seen cancer healed. I've seen broken bones healed. I've seen the dead raised. I've seen people get out of wheelchairs. And he did it to cause us to believe. He, he wants us to believe. Hallelujah. Oh, let's thank him one more time today. Hallelujah. There's some things in the spirit that goes against the grain of carnal thinking. What I'm, what I'm trying to say to you is that natural man cannot discern the things of the Spirit, for they appear foolish unto him. Am I in the Word this morning? They appear as foolishness unto him because they must be seen only by faith. It is faith that causes us to see those things. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them because they are spiritually Discerned. We have to, if, if, if you can get your eyes to focus off of the natural and focus on the spiritual, we begin to see through eyes of faith and begin to recognize that God is able to do anything. If you can begin to look beyond your present circumstance, beyond this, this thing that you may be dealing with today, Whatever it is that you may be struggling with today, God can, can perform a miracle in your life today. There's no, there's no fancy words. It's not because you're here in this room 
God can perform a miracle in your life through faith. It is God that does the miracle, not me, not any minister that lays hands on you. It's not because this congregation prays. We're no better than anyone else, but it is because of faith. Someone asked Sister Chelsea some time back, describe Christian Life Church. What is it that makes it what it is? She says, I don't know. All I can say is uh, she, she had come from a church up north, and people were, were, were interested in, in knowing what was it that draw, was drawing her. And she said, there's a certain sense of expectation. And she said, faith. She said, that's the two words that I can think of that describe CLC. She said, it's expectation and faith. No telling what God's going to do. Every time you go in, you just have no idea. You just, there's no telling. When you get that kind of faith and you believe and you know that God can, I'm a believer because I've seen it. I've witnessed it. And he's calling people to become believers. If you're here today and you cannot truly believe with faith, I want to encourage you to to believe with faith and when God performs a miracle in your life in your family, in your home or you see a visible miracle before your eyes, he's not just doing it so you can go wow I'm going to go tell all my friends about that if you do it's to cause them to believe him too what do I mean when I'm talking about believing him It's, it, it's very simple. It isn't real, really too in-depth. It's, it's just more, can, can you believe God enough that you can, through eyes of faith, see yourself in a better setting than you're in today? Can you see through eyes of faith? Can you believe and trust God that your future is going to be better than your past? Can you, can you believe and trust God? Are there anybody in the room today that may have sickness in your body? May, may have, can you believe, can you look down the road and see that life is going to be better in your future than now? Can you trust him like that? Can you believe that your finances are going to be blessed in your future? Can you believe him for things like that? Can you believe that a family situation is going to be resolved and God is going to, God is going to take care of? Listen, not, not everybody's going to get it. Not everybody's going to get it. Uh, some, some people's just not going to get this at all. I happened to yesterday evening. It was late last night. Actually, it was like around 1030 last night or so. I was just flipping through some notes, and I, I read a little quote, and it's a, it's a Billy Graham quote. And I, I read through it, and he said, if, if, if Satan could cause us to, to, to be distracted enough to try to respond to all of the doubters and disbelievers and all of our critics. You know, we, we all get criticized. Let me just, let me just say something. I, I, if it wouldn't have been so late, I was going to text a couple of people. Um, and and, and I'm, I'm, I may just do that later. But if we spend all of our time trying to discredit our critics, we're going to get sidetracked from the mission that God has called us to do. We can't spend all of our time responding to our critics. We have got to just forge forward by faith and say, God knows, he knows the way that I take. 
The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in. See, if I could build some faith in some folks today to begin to believe God has a, he has a future for you that is so bright, that is so wonderful. If I could get cause you to believe that what God has in front of you is better than what he has behind you, and that everything that he is doing, he will come by faith. He's wanting you to walk by faith and not by sight. Every time you see something that is saying, oh, that's destructive, Speak a word of faith over it and say, I have, I, David said it like this, I once was young, now I'm old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor is seed begging bread. Maybe you ought to walk out of here today, pick up a phone and call somebody and say, hey, I'm a believer. And when they're like, what do you mean? You can just say, I got enough faith to believe that your situation is in the hands of God, that, that with God and faith, nothing is impossible. God's trying to increase our faith, cause us to believe this week has been the week. I don't know, I think I'm going to cause this week, call this week the week of surgeries. Brother Jason Emery went in Friday, back again Wednesday, back again Thursday. Uh, the, uh, Joe Fields went in for surgery this week. I'm at the hospital with Brother Joe Fields having surgery. Sister Amanda contacted me, said they just rushed Tom to the, to the hospital. And uh, so I literally would ran from one hospital to the next. It was kind of my week of, of just kind of running between hospitals with people going through surgeries. And it would be real easy to come in this morning with doubt and, and negative and, oh, why is, what's going on? We have people out because of vacation. We have people out because of sleep. We have people... <laughs> We have people out because of sickness. I mean, we have people, I, I could come in this morning and be negative and, and, and talk about, but the deal is God has been too good. These situations could have all ended differently, but we have a God that's on our side. In every situation, God has been faithful, and God has confirmed his word. He has always confirmed his word. The last several years I've noticed, and I'm going to try to hurry to a close. I, I recognize that that I'm all that's standing between you and lunch. <laughs> For the last several years, we have kind of, CLC's kind of been in a season of confirmation. And I had a minister that pointed that out to me as a guest evangelist that was with us, and he pointed it out to me, and I'm like, wow, okay. I, I, and then the lights came on, and I understood it. And what he, what he was saying is that we've been in a season of confirmation, meaning that God doesn't just perform one miracle and then that's it. It's like he does a miracle and he does it again and he does it again. Or if he sends a word to us, somebody comes in and preaches a word and that word's spoken and we're like, wow, man, that's powerful. I want to cling to it, but it'd be real easy for us to, to let it slide and forget about it. But another, another speaker comes through, somebody that has no idea, no connection, and they come in and they step in and they speak almost the identical words with the same meaning. And then somebody else comes along and they speak the same word. You know, one, my wife and I will be at a conference and somebody walks up and speaks a word over our personal ministry. And we go along a little while later and somebody else comes up, speaks, man, I haven't seen you in a long time. But, you know, I was thinking about you the other day and praying for you. And I just felt this and I want to speak this to you. And this is what I feel. And it's like the same words that, you know, the last person that just spoke I'm like goodness where's this and over and over it's it's called confirmation and the reason is is because the Lord knows that that you know there was doubt in Thomas in the Bible and doubt in Philip in the pulpit this morning 
because I, I too, I, I mean, I'm human too, and sometimes I can get, I can get all down, and I can, I can doubt, and I, it has to come two or three times, you know, and, and finally it's like, okay, well, okay, if it happens over and over again, eventually I'm going to believe it, and, and so I'm not wearing this, this, this season of confirmation too much with too big of a badge of honor. All right, CLC, let's not wear this with too big a bag, badge of honor because I'm not so sure. I think God has to do it over and over again to try to prove and reprove himself to us so that we continue to believe and continue with faith. I want to encourage somebody this morning who, who has been a believer, don't let doubt overcome your faith. Listen, Moses, the same God that spoke to the heart of Pharaoh is the same God that will part the waters of the Red Sea, is the same God that will provide in the wilderness. He'll provide water from the rock and manna from heaven and quail when it's needed. It's the same God. He doesn't just do it one time and leave you. He didn't bring you out for you to die in your wilderness. He brought you out so that he could bring you in into his kingdom. He didn't just touch you and heal you that time so you could brag about it, but he wants to save you to the uttermost. God is trying to cause someone to believe. Mark chapter 16, verse 7, these signs shall follow them that believe. Here's where the world gets it wrong. The world follows signs. But the Bible said that signs would follow them that believe. Oh, 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 oh. The issue is it's not that, it's not that everywhere there's a sign people want to show up. That is really what happens. Let a few miracles happen and we can start calling it a revival crusade and people start coming out of the woodwork to come see what's going on and what's happening. But the Bible said that everywhere a believer goes, there ought to be signs following them. See, the sign, we don't follow the sign. The sign ought to follow us. Everywhere we go, there ought to be enough faith for us to speak into somebody's life and there be a change in their life. What God is doing in these last days, He's trying to increase somebody's faith, trying to cause someone to believe, trying to prove that He is bigger than whatever it is that is causing them to have doubt and fear and unbelief. We walk by faith and not by sight. You ought to look at your neighbor and tell them, I am a believer today. I am a believer today. I am a, a believer today. Before there was... Before the first miracle, there first had to be a dilemma. They're at the wedding at Cana of Galilee, and Jesus performs his first miracle. Sister Robin, I'm nervous about even touching this text because that's what I was preaching about the, that morning. You remember that? I was preaching the, the beginning of miracles. That was the title of my message that day. I was preaching the beginning of miracles. Before the dilemma at the wedding, the disciples 
had never witnessed Jesus perform a miracle before, but they ran out of wine at the wedding. This was a socially unacceptable. This was, this was the lack of planning on the part of, of, of the host. It was a horrible place to be. And here Jesus is, and, and, and here is all the issue and all the problem. And oh my, what in the world? There was a dilemma. There first has to be a dilemma. Second, there has to be a word. Jesus tells them, go and get some water pots and fill them with water. They didn't need water. People don't want to drink water. Jesus' people want to drink wine. Mm -hmm. Here's where the issue comes. When the Lord sends us a word, we say, that doesn't make sense. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do what, what, I, what I've been told to do. I'm going to do what makes sense and what feels right to me. It made no sense for them to go get water pots and fill water pots with water. That made no sense. But Jesus had a plan for a miracle. Sometimes the miracle plan that God has for you will cause you to do something that doesn't make sense to you, even your rationale. Putting water in water pots when the need was wine did not make sense. But when they did it, the Lord performs a miracle in their hands. He says, now pour the water out into the vessel out of the vessel and as they pour it out they pour out wine they put water in and they pour out wine they put water in there is an obedience factor that is connected to the miracle my point is is that when God is calling us to believe there is an obedience factor to our belief Believing is not all there is to it, but there's an obedience factor. I, I often say it like this. If I told you that there's a tornado coming and this roof of this, of this building is going to collapse in the next three minutes, but you better run back into the storm shelter area, back into the kitchen area. If I told you that this morning and you believed it, I'm guessing everybody in the room would be filing out with no complaints, going straight into the the, the, the shelter area because real belief causes you to respond and you respond with faith that that building in that area is, is going to sustain your health and you're going to live through the tornado that's going to take the roof off of this building. You see, that kind of belief is what it took to take water and fill water pots with it when it made no sense because they needed wine. Because true believing will cause you to respond. And the Lord is calling us this morning to move beyond the miracles of God. Do something to make me feel better. To Him saying, I want to, I want to save you. I want to bring salvation to you. He wants you to understand that believing is causing, calling you to a point of response. For you to say, I've got to respond to my faith. I'm doing more than just saying I believe in Him. But I'm moving into an area of response to where I will truly repent of my sin and be baptized because his word says if I will repent he is faithful and just to forgive and if I'll be baptized my sins will be remitted or removed and then he promises the infilling of his spirit his words not mine his promise not mine 
I'm just a messenger of the good news that if you come this morning and you have been you have been brought to a point of faith and belief that if you'll follow through with proper action and you'll start filling the water pots today, there may be a miracle in your future. God may do something for you that you could never ever do for yourself. You need Him and it's something that only He can do. I'm closing this morning. They brought forth the sick. They laid them in the streets. The passing by of Peter's shadow heals them. And believers are added to the church. So I got to ask you this morning, is there anybody in the room today that walked in the door and you needed to hear this word and the Lord has moved on your heart to the point of believing? So I have to ask you, This is the question I've really been asking you. It's the question that they ask. In the the New Testament, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? They responded with, I haven't heard where there be any Holy Ghost. And then, The man of God responds back and says, the Holy Ghost now, the reason you hadn't heard is because the Holy Ghost had not been poured out. But now, the Holy Ghost has been poured out. It's for you. It's for you. Let me tell you about the greatest miracle. The greatest miracle is not the raising of the dead or the healing of the lame. The greatest miracle is how that God can take a black heart and wash it with red blood and turn it white as snow. The greatest miracle is when he comes into your life, turns you around, changes you, changes the way you walk, the way you think, the way you talk. That miracle worker is in the house this morning, and I'm a believer because I'll never forget the day or the night. It was a Thursday night in February in 1975 when I walked down an aisle and came to an altar and lifted my hands before God and surrendered my heart. I never shall forget the day. Oh, what a change he has wrought in my life. I want you to understand today that God can change your life. It'll come through faith and believing. It starts there. That's the beginning process. If you have never walked in newness of life, if you've never been filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you can be filled today. If you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, I want to challenge you today. If you want to know more about it, I'll be glad to sit down and teach you a a, a Bible study. and We'll reason together. If you're ready to be baptized, we have water. There's no reason. We have robes. I'm ready to baptize you this morning. If you've never repented of your sins, I challenge you this morning to take the courage of saying, God, I'm tired of walking down the road I've been walking on. I'm ready to turn my life around. I'm sorry for my sins. I want you to know he'll forgive you this morning. Any believers in the house today? Maybe your fire has grown cold. Maybe it's hard for you to believe. Maybe it's hard for you to trust. I call you this morning. If God is speaking to your heart, 
I call you this morning to come and reconsecrate and rededicate your life to him and say, God, I want to I want to make my calling and election sure. I, I want to, to rededicate my heart to you and my life to you. If you're not prayed up and ready to go and you're not sure that you're sure, if you're not walking in faith and absolutely confident, if you're not sold out that you are a believer and that you know that you know that you're ready, I want to open these altars to you. I ask everyone in the room to stand with me all over the building now. And I open these altars. If you'd like to step forward, this would be a good time. Why don't you just step forward and make your way to the front of the room today and say, I'm coming to him today. God bless you. Thank you to these that are responding this morning. Everybody's welcome to come forward. If you need a miracle in your life, this would be a good time to come forward. Our ministers will lay hands on you and pray over you this morning. I'm a believer that he is still a miracle worker. He's still able to turn lives around. He's still able to change hearts. I'm a believer today. Hallelujah. Now they're going to sing, but I want you to make it very personal. Just you and the Lord right now. Maybe you'd like to close your eyes, lift your hands right where you are, and you'd like to just talk to Him today and reaffirm and reassure and let Him know, God, I am a believer. I will walk by faith and not by sight. I will trust you. I will believe. Come on, commit that to him right now. Commit that to him right now. Hallelujah. Some of you ladies together around our sister here, she has been struggling with some health issues. God is able to heal her and strengthen her this morning. Some of you pray with, if you have a need, just lift your hand. Somebody standing next to you will just connect with you. Let's connect one with another right now. Pray one for another right now. Let them, the miracle working power of God rest in this house this morning. Hallelujah.
Brother Jason, I want you to step over. I'm going to ask some of you brothers to come and pray with Brother Jason. Now be very careful. His arm is fragile, but we're going to pray over him. We're going to be gentle, but we're going to pray over him this morning. He's been in the hospital all week. He still needs God to do a miracle work in his body. He needs a kidney. The Lord needs to touch his arm this morning, and he's able. If, you, if you're not gathered around, maybe you just want to lift a hand and say a prayer. Pray over him right now in the name of Jesus.